Welcome to The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. You can find episode show notes, past episode archives, and listener discussions at our website, thenexttrack.com. And in between episodes, follow us on Twitter at NextTrackCast. Hey, Doug, during our hiatus, I know that you did a little home networking project. Tell me about it. Well, I bought an Orbi system for my Wi-Fi at home. And the reason I did that, um, I've been using Airport forever. When the time capsule first came out, I got that and I used it for a little while and I had it hooked up via Ethernet. And then I bought a, an Airport Extreme and I bought, I've been buying Airport Expresses over the years to extend the Wi-Fi coverage. But I've never been completely happy with it, but it's it's been fine. But then Apple decided to um, disband the Wi-Fi group. Is that what is that what they did last fall? I believe that's it. Yeah, they deleted, they got rid of everything. Well, they stopped manufacturing. They were selling them on the Apple online store and maybe in retail for a while. And I believe that's finished now as well. But they've basically gotten out of Wi-Fi. Right. And they were nice enough to give us uh, an, a firmware update shortly after they stopped uh, selling the stuff. Oh, well, they're still selling it. They're not making it. So that made me think, well, how long is this going to last? I have to start thinking about what happens when there is, uh, there are no more updates to the software, and I'm, you know, concerned about security and I'm concerned about quality. Now I remember that you had bought an Orbi mesh system, and a mesh system was something that I figured I'd have to go to at some point. And there are a couple of them. There's Orbi. There's the one that Amazon has, which is Eero. Eero. Uh, Linksys has one. I, there might be a half a dozen. Google has one. But the reason I settled on Orbi is, one, I knew you were talking about it. And the other reason is I got a great deal from Amazon. What was it, 100 bucks off one day? Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. I mean, they might as well have been giving them away. Uh, I got the base station and two satellites, which is just what you need in an apartment-sized uh, home, for 200 bucks. Which is absolutely incredible. I don't know. You got to keep your eyes open for these things. I did not. I was not in the market for them. But as soon as I saw that, I remember I texted you right away and I said, "Look at this." And you said, "Well, it's a no-brainer." Yeah, it is. I'm surprised you got the one with two satellites, though. I, I have a very large house and I only have one satellite. Now it depends on how your house is built. Does it have girders? Mine doesn't. It was built in the early 1800s. The, the room, the, the hallways are relatively large, so it might not have the material that would be a problem. But I, I, I had never considered that I would need a second satellite once I installed it. That's good, because that's how good the system really is. Yeah. But this was a package deal. You got the, the base yeah. station. and Now, let me just say this about, about the Orbi itself. The, the base station looks like a, an electronic air freshener. It's, it sits there. Right? You know, it looks like something that you don't touch. Good point. Yeah. But let me tell you a story about my time capsule. I don't like the footprint because you can't put anything above it. And it just sits there and it just steals the space yeah. from wherever you put it. And what happened one day is I had it on a, a, a sideboard or something with plants and things like that. It was a sideboard that we didn't really use. It was mostly decorative. And one day I came in to find that someone had put a plant on top of of the time capsule. I don't know if it was my daughter or my wife. We never got to, but I, I announced at dinner that evening, please do not put things on top of the time capsule or an Airport Express or an iMac Mini or anything like that that you see around the house, please. So I've never liked the footprint. And the Mac Mini, I can understand. I can shelve that away somewhere. But these devices that have to radiate, I was always like, 
nervous about, you know, covering it up. And, and certainly, I don't want a plant on top of it that is going to be watered somewhat regularly. <laughs> this could, yeah, water's <laughs> yes, exactly. going to be coming out below so, it. So. Um, yeah. so this Orby becomes available. And before it actually arrived, you recommended that I check the dead zones in my house so to know where to where to set up these satellites. And there's a great app called Wi-Fi Sweet Spots, and you use it to walk around your apartment, your house, and you find out the level, the strength of the Wi-Fi signal. Even with airport, there'd be very low signals here, and then you move a few inches, and it's oh, there it is, back up to where whereabouts we need it. And that makes you think: Do you have to do the thing that you did with the rabbit ears on top of the TV, moving them around to get just the right position? It kind of does. And the other thing that is a problem for me is my airport expresses aren't set up where they're in the optimum place for for Wi-Fi. They're in the optimum place for listening to music because that's what I use airport expresses for. They're hooked up to Class D amplifiers with little tiny speakers. So I knew I wanted to have these speakers and this set up on top of the fridge, for example, or on the sideboard in the dining room or off to the side in the living room. So I didn't place them based on how good the Wi-Fi signal was. So I kind of had to always compromise with that. Well, the Orby comes in. I open it up. It's a beautiful little thing. In fact, I'll post the picture of the box that it comes in. Yeah, the smiley face. And so I hook this thing up and I'm thinking, this is going to be, this is going to take me hours to do. And you told me, no, you, you turn it on and that'll be it. Well, that's pretty much how easy it is. <laughs> you turn it on and you walk away. I put the um, the uh, the base station is in the center of the apartment, and the uh, satellites are on the extreme ends of the apartment. So there's it's there's no way we're not going to get coverage. Well, let me tell you something. I was getting like two digit readings for the uh, for the Wi-Fi signal in some of these dead areas, and that's in megabits per second. I walked around and places where there were it was at 40, was now at 750. I mean, there the, the apartment was completely blanketed in great Wi-Fi signal. And the best part is the airport expresses still work with it. They don't extend the network, but they still carry just the airplay. We have great Wi-Fi whenever we walk around with our iPads and iPhones, because in this house, that's how we, we consume media. We all have iPads. So it's been absolutely tremendous, and I highly recommend it. But it got us thinking about how important your Wi-Fi system is for listening to music. Well, listening to music and watching TV and videos and all that, because for, for most of us, these types of entertainment go together. I want to just backtrack a little bit about the history of home Wi-Fi, because Apple was the first company to democratize home Wi-Fi. If you remember the very early airport base station, that kind of looked like a UFO flying saucer. That's right, yeah. I had one of those in 2001, and I was living in France, and at the time... Wi-Fi wasn't entirely legal, and it came with a document that you were supposed to fill out and send to the French army indicating the positioning of your Wi-Fi base station. Oh, France. A few years later, they legalized Wi-Fi, but at the time, it was a, a gray area. Hmm. Now, why why would it be considered? Is it a security problem? Or I, I'm thinking I'm thinking they were considering it might be interference for military communications, you oh. know, the same thing like don't use your phone on an airplane because whatever, right? Right. Which right. doesn't really... Just they're just worried about something that doesn't exist. So over the years, Apple made this really easy. It was always easy to set up an Apple airport system for Wi-Fi. And I had Apple stuff for many, many years. So I was still using an airport base station in the previous property I was in. And we moved here about two and a half years ago. And this house is just too big. It's like 3,200 square feet. And it was obvious once I set up the Wi-Fi 
that it wouldn't reach the far end of the house. So you also wait a minute. You also have two two floors too. We have two floors, and so my office is on the ground floor, and opposite me on the hall is where the internet comes in. So, so it's the the phone plug that I can get internet on. So that's where my ISP's router is, and I run a cable out into the hall, a little table by the stairs in the hall, which is where I put the main Orbi base station. So that means that it goes right through my door so I get good speed in my office, but it also goes right up the stairs to get upstairs. Now, if you go down the hall, you kind of have to turn right and turn left to get into a sort of living room we have that looks out of the garden. And with the previous Wi-Fi, the signal didn't get there. With the Orbi, it not only gets there, but it goes out into the garden. I can sit in the garden and still have Wi-Fi. For upstairs, what I did is I put the base station on the other end of the house in the landing, like a wide hall, to compensate. So, you know, the base station on the ground floor is on the east and the one on the top floor is toward the west. So to compensate. And that satellite is right next to the room that we recently converted into a TV room. So I get, you know, more than enough speed to get my video streaming into that room it's fine to get into the different bedrooms, whereas previously with the other one, there were some dead spots in the various bedrooms, depending whether it was like one of the guest rooms was really bad and the master bedroom, it depended on which side of the bed you were on, uh, the speed you get. So the real difference for me is, as I said, it is, you, you just plug it in and it works. I, I think if you were to unplug one of your satellites, you would have just as good coverage. Three units really seems to be overkill. Because even in this big house, I only have two units. But we were saying before the show, this house was built in the early 1800s. It doesn't have any rebar concrete or girders or anything like that. So there's probably less interference throughout. Now, it's worth discussing briefly what mesh Wi-Fi does as opposed to what a Wi-Fi extender does. And you've been able to use Wi-Fi extenders for years, and, and you can use the Airport Express as a Wi-Fi extender. Every time you put a Wi-Fi extender on, it halves the bandwidth of the entire network because it has to go in two directions. And the mesh Wi-Fi, I think technically each one is a new router with the same speed. And so it's using different channels to send data like back-channeling data. And that allows you to maintain the same speed whether you're next to the main base station or one of the satellites. Yeah, it seems like it's always... Uh, figuring out, uh, you know, where the demand is and and compensating when it can because it has this back channel where it can communicate with itself. Right, exactly. And uh, I think mesh Wi-Fi is certainly the, the the technology of the future because my satellite is the same size as the base station. I think yours are the small ones that they came out with afterwards that just plug into power plugs, right? That's correct. Yes. So they're a lot smaller. Now, on the one hand, it has to be in a power plug on a wall, whereas mine can be anywhere, the satellite. But on the other hand, it takes up less space because mine has to be, it's on top of like a linen cupboard that we have, but it does take up more space. It has to be in a location where it can sit. I um, just threw it on an extension cord on one of them and, and let it sit on top of the fridge. Um, the other one, though, the one that plugs into the socket, I mean, it's it's pretty innocuous looking, unlike how I feel about the Apple stuff, which I think has bad feng shui, as I explained earlier. Well, the Apple stuff has its own interesting look, if you think about it. You know, that square, I, I never really liked the way the tall Airport Extreme and, and time capsule look, but the smaller ones, if you remember, there was a airport base station that was pretty much like the Mac Mini that was flat and square with rounded corners for a while. Before that, it was this, the UFO version. And then they went to, uh, there were also Airport Expresses that plugged directly into a power plug. 
And the, the main reason for using that at the time was to use what they called air tunes and then later airplay into which you'd plug uh, an eighth inch cable uh, to plug into speakers, the stereo, etc. So the main reason you wanted to talk about this was essentially because music, and you mentioned that earlier, music and video, it's worth noting that you don't use a lot of bandwidth for music. So I use AirPlay to stream music to a number of locations. And if I, I use a, a utility called iStat Menus, I'll put a link in the show notes. In my menu bar, it tells me how much data is going in and coming out of my computer. And when I'm streaming music using AirPlay, it's about 120 kilobytes. That's an eighth of a megabyte. That's, you know, that's not very fast. You don't need a lot for music. And this is streaming in Apple lossless format. Remember, AirPlay upsamples everything to Apple lossless and streams it. And then it's the device that downsamples it or plays it losslessly. If you stream video, obviously, you're going to have a few megabits. I know that my Plex library has settings that you can limit it to 5 or 10 megabits per second. Last night, we were watching on the Apple TV a movie we rented, The Unbearable Lightness of Being. And when I started playing it, it took about four minutes to buffer enough. And I've got about 15, 16 megabit connection. This is HD. It wasn't a 4K movie. Uh, and that surprised me. I don't know if it was Apple server that was maybe a little bit slower than usual. But usually, if I'm streaming stuff from my Plex library, I rarely have any problems. Uh, it doesn't buffer at all. It, it buffers for 15 seconds to start, and then it's fine after that. Do you know the differences between what you had before Orbi and then since Orbi? Or since Mesh, actually. We shouldn't sound like we're endorsing Orbi necessarily. It's just the Mesh type of, of router. Um, I had a couple of different systems, and the last one I had was a Ubiquity, which is a kind of a system that you can actually set up as a Mesh, but you have to connect them via Ethernet to do that. So I only had one unit, and I was thinking of getting a second one to put upstairs, but it was like I'd have to run an Ethernet cable, which really isn't very useful. And then before that, as I said, I had Apple in the previous house, and this was a three-story house. It was in the kitchen, which wasn't right by the staircase, but it worked relatively well, maybe because it was a stone house and things bounced off the stone and, and circulated. You know, it, this, this stuff is a black art. You can't determine, unless you're in an open space, you can't determine how well it's going to work. Hence the need to use an app like that Wi-Fi Sweet Spots, which is really surprising how quickly you see the change. I highly recommend getting it even if you're not thinking about changing your Wi-Fi system, but just finding out where dead spots are, I, I was I was shocked that uh, you know there was so little coverage. As despite the fact that I have three Airport Expresses, a time capsule, and an extreme in the apartment, but because of all the corners and things like that, things just weren't getting where they, where I wanted them. It was really amazing. The mesh is just incredible. So Netgear also sells an outdoor unit. Presumably, it's waterproofed and all that you can buy units that are just the two device unit like i have so it's the basic base station and the satellite you can buy three or four or you do you have the full-size satellites or the, the little plug-in ones the ones that you plug directly into a socket right so you can get the full-size one like i have or the ones that go in the socket and you can get an outdoor unit and that's kind of interesting because if you do want wi-fi outside let's say you've got a big garden backyard whatever swimming pool you know you can put one of those outside and you really won't have to worry i'm not I'm, I'm not sure why why would i need a separate one for outdoors just because it's it's weatherproof well because of the position of the ones in the house whether or not you get good coverage outside so i was going to say for me i can go about 30 feet from the house and still get wi-fi it's not 
probably wouldn't be fast enough to stream video. Here's the thing, though. I, I, I get the problem that a lot of people have. You pull out of the driveway and you're still in the Wi-Fi. And then you're a block away and the music stops and then you have to connect with, with your data plan. And that it's now that 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 level of Wi-Fi, that distance I have to go for Wi-Fi is longer than it used to be because my Wi-Fi coverage goes outside of the house that much further. Yeah, same here. So my satellite upstairs is opposite a bedroom with a window that goes out where we park our car. So clearly it's streaming out there and I can probably go 50, 100 feet before it it leaves the Wi-Fi, which means if I start trying to play music or a podcast, it's not quite fast enough to get the data, so I'm not getting anything, but it's still connected to the Wi-Fi. What I find is that it will play one song that maybe I, I'll pick up playing a song where I left off in the car, and it will play that because the file's been downloaded already to the device. Yeah. But then once I get past, it's like, where's the next track? as it were. Yeah. But anyway, I'm really happy with the mesh system. And as far as like uh, not having to worry about what, you know, where I'm going to be able to listen to music, watch TV, it's just been great. You just don't even have to think about it. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a good thing. And at the price you paid and at the price it is now, I bought mine in December, 2016 when it came out in the UK, because I was in this new bigger house. My Wi-Fi wasn't very good. It was the first mesh Wi-Fi system available. I think I paid 400 pounds for it, which is pretty expensive. And it's dropped a lot, probably 300 new for the same thing now. But the price you got is... No brainer. Really. And like I said, we don't know how long Apple is going to be um, supporting the older hardware with you know new security updates. And that's the thing that's concerned me. And also, mesh just seems to be better. This is an interesting technology. And I, I think that we'll see this in the future for most people unless you're in a really small space you know a, a one or two bedroom apartment or a studio or something where you don't really need the coverage um also obviously it's not the scope of this podcast imagine how well this works in an office where you need coverage for a lot of people because your Wi-Fi is going to depend not just on the range, but on the number of people using data and all that. So the more units you have, the easier it is to, for everyone to get access. So, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more of this. I'm looking on Amazon. It's 300 pounds now compared to the 400 that I paid, and I'm fine with that. It doesn't matter. And they say that the two-unit thing that I have, router and satellite, covers a 4,000-square-foot space. Oh, geez. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And as I said, mine's about 3,200, so I do get coverage outside. Y yours is overkill. You could probably unplug one of the extenders, one of the satellites, and get the same coverage. In fact, unplug both the satellites, then walk around with that app and see what the dead zones are. Then put one of the satellites in and see, just out of curiosity, not that you don't want to use the satellites, although you're exposed to an awful lot of, electronic radiation with all that stuff there and yeah i know you have tin foil sheets in your beds and all but still well you know all of our pets our cats and our dogs run on wi-fi so it's i, I think it's worth the trade-off uh, it is now time to talk about our next tracks the music that we're going to be listening to kirk what have you got this week so in the early years of the itunes store i actually discovered a lot of music because well there wasn't that much on the itunes store so you would flip around and you'd listen to the um the, the sort of stingy 30-second um, intros that you'd get to, to check out music. And one of the artists that I discovered back then is Iron and Wine. Iron and Wine is the sort of stage name of a guy named Sam Beam, 
who is, how would you describe, sort of lo-fi, folky, singer-songwriter, country-ish, alt-vegan, um, Birkenstock-wearing <laughs> type musician. And his stuff is really nice. I really like the tone. It's like, it's laid back. It's really sleepy, almost. And I bought a number of his records over the years, records, a number of his albums over the years. And one of them that I've been listening to lately is called Around the Well, which is a, on CD, it's two CDs. It's a collection of singles and B-sides and tracks that uh, weren't collected anywhere. It runs an hour, 37 minutes in the iTunes version. And there were a couple of songs that I really, really like on this. And what was interesting was when I found out that some of these were covers and who they were covers by. So I just want to mention a few of the songs. The, the, my favorite song is called The Trapeze Swinger. It's about nine and a half minutes. What do you call a song where there's just verse and no chorus? And it's like circular. It's not a canon or a round, but you know what I mean? I was going to say round, but if you say no. I don't think um... it's technically a round, but the trapeze swinger is like that. It's a really sweet song. And, and the, the only repetitive lyrical element is remember me. And there's, there's a lot of nostalgia in it. Very beautiful song. And another one that's really nice is called Such Great Heights. Now, this just sounds like a quintessential Iron and Wine song, but it's from an indie band called The Postal Service. And when I went to listen to the original version, it was like one of these almost XTC-type pop songs, you know, with like poppy and, and bubbly sound and all that. Whereas the version that he does is really kind of just like, you know, mellow and, and all this stuff. There are a few other covers. There's one by Stereolab called Peng, exclamation point 33. There's oh. one called Waiting for a Superman, Wayne Coyne, M Michael Ivins, Stephen Drozd. I'm on Wikipedia. This is... Isn't that Flaming Lips? Yes, it is. But the one that surprised me most, and, and you're not, you're not going to believe when I say I'd never heard this song, because you certainly know it, is a song called Love Vigilantes. Oh, yes. It's, um, it's a New Order song. Yeah. And... So listening to Iron and Wine, you have this thing about soldiers coming home and stuff. And listening to Iron and Wine, you think it's like something coming back from the Iraq War and all that. And then I found that it was a New Order song with that typical sort of New Order bass line and all and the, and, and the bumpy sound. And, and it goes back to the 80s. So I guess soldiers were coming back from the Falklands. I don't know. I think it was like the most popular New Order single ever. And I'd never heard this song. And I wouldn't probably recognize it as a New Order song the way that this cover is done. What I really admire about this is that he's covered a variety of songs from different bands and, and taken them and made them sound like his own music. And that if you don't know who made these songs, you'd think that it's just this guy's music. There's lots of really good songs on this record. The other Iron and Wine albums are really good. So check them out on Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify, your favorite thing. But this one's called Around the Well. It's a whole bunch of disparate tracks that are gathered together. So... Doug. I always thought Iron and Wine was a heavy metal band. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. No, seriously, <laughs> I used to think they were a heavy metal band. I signed up uh, for Apple Music Family recently so I could get my wife on Apple Music because I thought she would appreciate it because she's starting to develop this very eclectic taste. Uh, as I've mentioned, she listens to Radio France constantly, and they, geez, they just don't repeat a song. And she will always find something interesting. And this is what we discovered. That when you are on Apple Music and you're on the same Wi-Fi network, you can airdrop a song to the person on, on the network. So, for instance, if she's sitting around going, oh, I want Doug to hear this song, she just hits share song and then airdrops it to me and it opens in Apple Music once I, once I select it, which beats 
putting it in a text message and opening in the browser and then going to iTunes or, or however it's going to work. But you can't listen to it if she's listening. Yeah, well, that's true. But, you know, that's okay. That's why you got a family so, Yes, exactly. So anyway, she will send me cute songs, you know, it's, and one she sent me recently was by Billy Eckstein and Quincy Jones and a version of the song with, uh, it's called All Right, Okay, You Win, which you may know it. All right, okay. You win, I'm in love with you. Well, all right. All right. Very popular song in the 50s. But I said to her, I said, that's a great version, but you want to hear the the version that was made famous by Joe Williams, who was a great singer in the 50s, great jazz singer in the 50s. So I went looking for that, and I found it, and I gave it to her. But I found a whole bunch of other Joe Williams records. Now, I like Joe Williams. He just has this nice, deep, really warm voice. And I found, this is what I'm going to be listening to. It's called, it's a mouthful, The Greatest Count Basie Plays Joe Williams Sings Standards. That's the name of the album. But there's some great songs on here. Thou Swells, Wonderful, Singing in the Rain, Our Love is Here to Stay, A Fine Romance. Just really great, elegant songs. And, of course, great Count Basie arrangements, if you like that. Bop, bop, that sort of stuff. And Joe Williams just floating along singing these great songs. So uh, it's great to hear Count Basie, and it's great to hear Joe Williams on this great record. The thing is, it's really funny. It's 12 songs. It's 36 minutes. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Seven dollars in the in the in the in the cutout bin. That gives you more time to listen to the songs over and over. You know, as we discussed some time ago about streaming, if songs are, sh- are shorter, the bands make more money. And back then, remember, they were making songs. Is this is probably post seventy eight, but they were still making songs for forty fives, uh, with the limitation at the time that forty fives really didn't take more than four minutes at most, did they? Right, and actually, this is a follow-up recording to an album called Count Basie Swings, Joe Williams Sings, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were recorded at the same session. Anyway, this was episode number 142 of The Next Track. Thanks for listening. Your comments are welcome. You can start or join a conversation on this episode's show page at our website. You'll also find links to some of the things we talked about in the show notes for this episode. It's all at thenexttrack.com. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can't leave a review or rating, recommend us to a friend or two. For Kirk McElhern, I'm Doug Adams. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.